Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that has centred on Amridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the romantic evening that is Royfield Brown and with me I have the reheated takeaway that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our shattered relationship folks is you. Now this week's Dumby Dum, ooh, it's a lovely one to warm the cockles of everyone's hearts. It's the children mm-hmm. of the Compass International School in Doha, Qatar. They use the archers in their creative writing learning and if you want to read all about it and see the pictures of them then we will tweet a link to the blog post which was on the archers website. And thank you very much to the archers for sending us uh, the Dumpty Dum. It was much appreciated. Thank you. Absolutely. You've got some back channels of communication with the beeb, haven't you? <laughs> That makes it sound slightly shifty and illegal, but no, it's perfectly, perfectly normal. Perfectly normal, Royfield. Well, that's a proper hardcore dum-de-dum that has passed you. And it was, it, did it come like in a brown paper? In, was it <laughs> so, it, was, oh, it was left in a drop on Hyde Park. <laughs> <laughs> now, Luce, if somebody runs uh, an English as a second language uh, school, specifically for children, maybe in Arabic world or maybe outside of the Arabic world, and they want to use, you know, the archers the Archer's theme tune, as a way of inculcating English into these little minds. How can they do that? 
<laughs> if you would like to sing, sing us a Dumpty Dum or get your pupils to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or celebrate your decree nizai by getting up at dawn and standing in a hedge. Then call us on 0203-031-3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, to Shedcode for sponsoring us and Derek Lone in the Back Bedroom. Derek is being very supportive of Auntie Peggy as he knows how difficult it is to say goodbye to a p- pussy you were fond of. <laughs> so on this week's episode, folks, we've got some calls. Can you believe that? We've got, we got calls from Sussex Shepherd, who's Lucy's favourite, who thinks that Peggy's a hard woman. Oh, talking about hard stuff. Um, mention of the hard stuff in the map section. That's all I'm saying, folks. A very interesting correlation between nuttiness and hard water. Jojo Sexy Hills, who says, run, run from Pip. Bly Spirit, oh, I love you, Bly Spirit, who says, hurrah, she was right, with a spoon. Over there in Manhattan, who's seen the two faces of Peggy. Leslie G, who likes Peggy's backbone. And Lord Louise. Our American Aristo is back, who asked, did Bill die in vain? But be first, but be first, but first, before all those existentially important questions are answered, it's Lucy V. Hang Freeman's... On, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 Tiger. Isn't it, isn't it Chris yet? Yes. What point do you do that? We do the interviews after Lucy V. Freeman's Week in Ambridge. Oh, sorry. If you remember... <laughs> Three years of doing this, we have a format. I'm sorry. But I suppose this is an opportune time for you to uh, mention your star-studded interview. Later on in the show, we have a star-studded interview with a star-stud, Chris Neal, um, (laughs) who is a very funny man whose series... A two-part series um, is going to be on Radio Four on the thirty-first of May, uh, and he's a big Archers fan. And we're going to split it into two bits because the first bit is properly about the Archers, and the second bit is just a load of nonsense. But Chris was making me laugh so much that well, we decided to keep it in the show. But we bunged it at the end. So if you don't want to hear me cackling like a witch, then don't listen. Um, but it's it's about his mum's friend Marilyn. <laughs> It's not related to the archers at all. It's just very funny. Um, so, yes. So, he will be in a minute. Mm. Well, maybe a New York minute, which means a little while. Because mm. first, before all of that, we've got caller in us after Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. Ah, the dawn walk. Lots of tips in a field. Mummy made me get up early because she's a maniac. Loony, 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 shouted Henry. (laughs) They all hopped about in a field while Linda lectured them on speeding and made them crouch in a hedge while all the birds from a mile away legged it as they could hardly hear themselves over the rustling of cagoules. The big meeting happened at home farm. Oh, of course no one's going to turn against you, said everyone to everyone else, in gleeful ignorance of every family schism that has ever occurred in Ambridge over the disposal of assets since the beginning of time. I think that went about as well as we could have hoped, said Jennifer afterwards, mopping up the blood. Quick update. Ben is represented by a doorbell and Debbie is now a sparkly noise, which I presume is supposed to represent Skype. They must be saving a fortune on actors' wages. Next week, Jill is played by a barn owl and Adam by a lawnmower. 
Pip's mm. self-flagellation continues. She was going to sleep on the dining room table under the tablecloth as she couldn't find a big rusty spike. She had a little reunion with Toby, which didn't go awfully well. First of all, she didn't want the takeaway because she said, I've had a flapjack and now I've finished lashing myself with nettles. I'm not hungry. Then Toby suffered from gin maker's droop. I fear he doesn't <laughs> find wealth attractive. Anyway, the upshot was Toby was dumped. I'm paraphrasing here, but Pip said, basically, I don't like you because you're a massive liar. No, I'm not, he said, lying. Hootie threw a shit fit because she didn't know what was going on in her son and daughter-in-law's business. She immediately started to do an Auntie Piggy and wave her checkbook around, but David assured her that that would not be necessary as things were definitely not going to get any worse. No, absolutely mm. not. Guaranteed. Over at home farm, Jenny Darling listened to Lillian whinging on about how little she sees Justin, and Jenny Darling suggested she went off and dealt with her clematis in the guard of the Clower House. Clower House? Of the Dower House. Not for the first time either. Poor Piggy. <laughs> Brian mistook Bill for a massive speed bump and trundled over him in the 4x4. As Bill was the size of a small bungalow, I'm surprised he didn't snap an axle. Robert is going to dig a grave for poor old Bill. They're bringing the earth movers and the props in now, but they're slightly worried that they're going to dig such a massive cavern St. Stephen's could fall in. Piggy showed her normal warm-hearted sentimental side by sounding so unconcerned about Bill that when they asked if she wanted him buried or cremated, I honestly thought she was going to suggest flushing him down the loo. She was more annoyed than Auntie Cardboard. No, she was more annoyed that Auntie Cardboard was silently absorbing all the attention by silently crying in her room while Jill hooted at her. <laughs> Piggy is copying the archer's technique for squeezing guilt out of someone like jam out of a donut and is making Brian go on Linda's speed watch course, build a shrine to Bill and donate a kidney for supper time at the Cats Protection League. She was hopping mad with Brian for not fessing up. You didn't have the guts, she said. I did, he said. Bills, they're all over my wheel, Arch. <laughs> Alice, the wedding planning actress's physicist farm machinery salesperson, gave Adam the hard sell and then finished it off bizarrely with, ta-da, sweet. I can't imagine why she's not selling much when that's how she finishes her big pitches. Matt had a nice drinky poos with Latif, played by the late Omar Sharif and the man from Milfrey Abbott. <laughs> Matt is only interested in big boys, apparently, so Latif must be a big boy. He sounded less than impressed at Matt's turning up at the meeting, hauling his electronic tag behind him and wearing a suit covered in arrows. There was a strange little exchange with Alistair and Anisha in which Alistair basically said, so I hear you've been making arrangements for our veterinary practice for the total stranger and an ex-bird jail and an ex-jailbird con man. What's all that about? And she said coquettishly, none of your business. Really? Those words will come back to haunt you, Anisha, when you and Alistair wake up handcuffed to each other in a bat-filled cave at the hands of a Costa Rican gang. Oh, God, they're bringing Ambridge <laughs> Extra back, aren't they? The end! <laughs> Oh, I really enjoyed that this week. <sighs> well done. Well done, um, Lucy. Thank you very much. We're trying a new... Oh, now is it, Chris? Yes. Okay. But but yes. why don't you just finish your sentence first? Finish your line of thinking. Then we'll go on to Chris. This week, we're doing an interesting new thing. Because all the calls this week were either about Pip and Toby or Bill ben. the ex-cat. No, mm. Bill. Sorry. Not ben. Sorry. They had to kill He's Ben archer. because... They had to kill Ben, otherwise it'd be too confusing. Mm. Um, saying Ben's crapped in the corner of the living room. Um, uh, so we have to stuck them all together. So all the Ben calls are together. No, all the Bill calls are together. <laughs> all, now I'm at it. Uh, and all the Pip, the and, Toby Pip calls. and Toby calls are together. Mm. Poor Toby. 
poor Toby, my ass. Let's do Toby and Pip. Let's do Toby and Pip first, then. No, no, no. Now we go on to oh. your interview. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> do you want to introduce it? Yes. This is me talking to lovely Chris Neal. Good morning, Dumpty Dummers. Well, not good morning. You may be listening. Who knows when you may be listening to this? But we are having a little chatette now with lovely, lovely Chris Neal, who a lot of you will know from various radio things, including Just a Minute. And I forgot what the Linda Smith thing was called. And that was one of my favourites. called Linda Smith's Brief History of Time. That's it. Yes. Um... And he was the one who was not the old Welsh lady. My bones are crumbling like... <laughs> like Flamborough Head. That was it. Yeah, that was that lovely line. Flambra. And I wasn't the Nigerian taxi driver either. No, he was also great. Um, <laughs> uh, and the reason Chris is on is because he is a very nice man and an archer's person. Hoorah. So what vintage are you of archers, archers, archers listener? Uh, well, I like the Archners very much as well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, do you know, I was thinking about this. I was trying to work this out. I I, I don't think my, I don't think I, I grew up with it. We didn't have Radio 4 on when I was a kid. Uh, if anything, I remember as a kid, Wagoner's Walk on Radio 2. Blimey. Um, so I don't know. I must have listened, started listening to the Archers in my 20s, I guess. The first time I remember listening to it uh, must have been on a Sunday morning. And I was lying in the bath and it was the omnibus. And John was killed by his tractor. <gasps> oh, yes. And I do remember sobbing in the bar to that. Now, I obviously had listened to before that, but that's the first time I remember listening to it. And I think I would have been then uh, about probably, I don't know what year that was, but uh, I was probably about 25, 26, something like that, I should think. Yes. Do you remember, see, Pip used to be, I mean, she goes through big personality changes, Pip. She went from being a quite irritating teenager who went out with other boys. Jude and, and all that, the old yeah, the lecturer. And there was another one who was another farm boy. Anyway, Spencer, that's it. He was a bit boring, but he he was was a bit more reliable. But, you know, she was never really around. And then she kind of went away and she sort of came back as a sounding like a sort of 35-year-old temptress who'd been on a 40-a-day Rothmans habit for the last 20 years. Well, exactly. One of our listeners described her as coming back with the voice of a languid divorcee, which... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who knows what happened to her in the three months she was away. I know. Where um, had she gone? I must get yeah, tickets. So that's the role she's been essaying ever since. And she's terribly sensible now. She sort of goes, someone says, oh, would you mind Would you mind getting up at five o'clock tomorrow morning? She says, five o'clock, I'll be awake from three. Yeah. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Those cigarettes don't smoke themselves, my dear. Um, so she's, she's now, but then obviously with the thing, with leaving the fence open, I didn't quite understand all that business, but, you know, the IBR. Um, and... Uh, she's now, but she's now feels so guilty. She's become saintly, and she's dumped Toby in the yeah. process. Uh, whether I think there has to be something about Rex trying it on with Pip or Pip trying it on with Rex at some point. The only thing is, the Archers can't have too many no, brother exactly. pairings. Yes, who it then would go off with the same. I mean, I know it's a village, but even the internet <laughs> got to Ambridge. You know, they can see slightly further afield. They can even make a trip to Penny you know, Hassett or you know Penny Hassett or Felpersham, where the <laughs> the real goers are. So I, I think I think the archers writers have to be careful with that one. Yes. Now, what do you think about the 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 because? We quite liked the fact that Adam and Ian, as the first gay couple in Ambridge, yeah. were 
just left as Adam and Ian and there wasn't any particular, you know, there was a bit of stuff with Ian's father, there was a bit of stuff with Brian, but not very much. Yeah. And now they're just as, you know, irritating yeah, as, just as everyone else. Yeah, just as boring as everyone else. Yeah. Well, they're not the first gay couple. Don't you remember? There was, oh, um, um, there was the pub landlord. Yes, Sean. Sean. Yeah. And but we never knew husband. his other half, did we? No, we didn't. They went on gay pride marches together occasionally oh. and there'd be a terrible sort of po-faced sort of long chunk of script that Sean had <laughs> to read out. I think it's absolutely marvellous. <laughs> and someone would say, what are you doing this weekend, Sean? And say, I am travelling up to <laughs> London with my partner, whatever his face is, and we are going on the pride march in his London. His name has never been revealed to me. Sexuality, by the... <laughs> and we are admiring the people that first did that in 1971. And Bert goes, uh, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, be very good that be i don't be begonias blooming when you get old uh and so but yeah i mean ian and uh adam although adam popped up this week i'm convinced of it in a false beard and a big hat uh there was an episode that started with i've Matt just Crawford. done pilates and my stomach muscles are feeling a bit delicate and you keep making me laugh so i keep well, going, while i'm laughing <laughs> So he, I don't know if you heard this, it was very exciting. He was talking to a possible investor. You know, Matt Crawford has come back with this rather dubious scheme of opening a oh, race yes. course it in Costa Rica. Oh, yes, dodgy at all, does it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the re- I mean, I oh, yeah, notoriously scandal-free, let's face yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't believe that Costa Rica's crying out for a new race course. But, <laughs> I but, think he's crying no... out for quite a few things. I think racehorses are fairly yeah. low down the list. And even if they are crying out for a new race course, whether it will be some <laughs> two-bit businessman in the radio equivalent of Wood, Worcestershire <laughs> that they would go to but anyway he was speaking to oh, some Latif. slightly Latif Latif that was the, the one Latif and they were Latif. having lunch yes. anyway Latif I'm convinced was Adam in a beard and hat <laughs> a bit like Adam. the time a bit like the time that um oh, what's his name um uh, uh thingy Grundy Eddie Grundy uh was uh suddenly to be heard as a court usher <laughs> several years ago I'm We'd heard the Eddie Grundy moaning about having no patios to do. The next thing, he had a part-time job as a court <laughs> usher. Which he didn't mean to be clearing. Anyway, so uh, it's, it can be very confusing. I mean, I think the archers is very confusing sometimes. As I say, I mean, I don't understand. I mentioned, you know, the Fair Brothers and all that business. Yeah. But I'm, I'm absolutely convinced about five years ago, there was, a, there was, a, there was an offshoot of the Horribins. Uh, the Horribins were reintroduced, as far as I could see, to have their hall painted beige and then they were written out again <laughs> i know with all soap operas um uh, there's a slight problem with politics either yes. characters don't talk about politics yes or, or it gets shoehorned in hilariously. or it gets shoehorned mm. and it was slightly shoehorned in last night where there was a conversation between in the pub between um rex and the new vet and toby i think it was and the new vet whatever her name is wanted to talk about brexit and they all kind of went oh no and she went, oh, but it's really interesting. And then Pip had to say, in, in, you know, because there's a general election going on and for balance, oh, well, there are pros and cons of Brexit <laughs> farmers. <laughs> and um, all this kind of stuff. Oh, it may work out, but of course there may be trouble ahead. Um, and then, so that was Brexit touched on. But then they touched on it in a far more significant way later on, but in a much more elusive way where... Justin's been away all week. We know mm. that Lillian's been pining for Justin. He's been up in London tending to his wine cellar. And he came back 
And he opened the door and she said, darling, she said, I've got a cooling drink for you. And uh, so, I mean, who can, I mean, he needs it. He's had that long drive and he's got back to the West Midlands and it was probably about 12 degrees. Uh, he needs something to mop his fevered <laughs> breath. And, she, and he starts banging on about Miranda and what she wants to, the, the ex-wife and what she wants to get her hands on. And you could tell that Lillian was a bit peed off about all this chat. You know, she hasn't seen him for a week. Apparently he doesn't have email or a phone or anything. She can't ever get in touch with him. And, um, but then later on, she said, uh, she said, darling, she said, look, the thing is, she said, you've been together many, I'm making it sound like Margaret Thatcher now, but she said, you, you've, she, <laughs> one is a grandmother. We are one is a grandmother. Uh, and oh, I'd love it if they tried to get Thatcher into one of those Princess <laughs> Margaret cameos. <laughs> What's going on here? I, I'm milking a cow, my lady. Oh. Uh, anyway, so she said, oh, well, the thing is, Justin, you have been together many, many, many years and you're tied up in numerous ways. I wouldn't keep fighting everything. Maybe just have to pay the divorce settlement and then you can move on with your life. And he said, I'm not going to pay anything. I've got a right to leave this. And she said, yes. But it, and I thought, oh, my God, it's like it's it, Brexit. This is, the, this is Theresa May. Brexit negotiations. Yeah. 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 So Lillian is now playing the role of kind of the times sort of saying. Look, and Miranda represents sum- the whole of Europe. Yeah, well, and well, no, and Justin, no, you see, Justin is the whole of Europe. Miranda's going up yours to laws or the yeah. 21st century equivalent. <laughs> We're not going to pay anything. But then he came round, and I thought, well, actually, that was much more political. He basically yes. went, "Yeah, I'll have to give us some money. Let's just face it, but we can get on with our lives." And that was much more political than. I mean, as a as a remainer, as an impassioned remainer, I hope yeah. he sticks to his guns, and it all it all blows up in everyone's faces. So. Yeah. You know, we've got to see. But I, it is interesting because I imagine Brian Aldridge was very UKIP and has now returned to the fold. But we never hear about all that. So. No. And Adam was Adam was leave, wasn't he? Yep, he was. He was sort of hippie leave, wasn't he? Yeah, I didn't he quite. Was yeah, kind of, polytunnel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, talking of polytunnels, do you think we're going to have a list of people that have gone? Do we want them back? Charlie Thomas. Uh, Charlie Thomas. Well, do you know, I didn't think they did enough. I know, I actually know the guy who played Charlie, and I don't think they did enough with Charlie. Really, he was kind of. They never quite worked out what to do with him. He was a bit of a baddie. Then he had his heart broken by Adam. Uh, I, I, I'm, Adam's capacity to pay, break other men's hearts is a mystery to me. I have to say, <laughs> uh, I always remember that marvelous line about when John Prescott had that affair um, with a sort of junior yeah, secretary yeah. in his department. And some wag pointed out that um, uh, that they knew power was an aphrodisiac, but they didn't realise it was Rowe Hitmel. And <laughs> I, I feel somewhat like that about Adam. I don't understand all these all these sort of, these He's, burly Polish yes, men falling for yeah. Adam. And, and Charlie, who always sort of, I mean, I know Felix who plays him, he's quite a good looking bloke. So I kind of feel that Charlie's quite a good looking bloke. And I don't really get it with Adam. But uh, I think there is, I'd like to see Charlie back. Um, because I think there's, I, I would quite like Adam and Ian's relationship tested again, frankly. Really? You I, think there's I, unfinished I business yeah, between... Yeah, I think there's unfinished, because I ah. think Adam's a bit of a rogue, and I would quite like maybe Adam to have a go with Charlie. See what that happens. See what happens there. We've not done that. We've always done it with brothers before. See what happens <laughs> when you get Rob Titchener's away former from boss the, the... assistant, or whatever he was, to have a go with Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of um, actors being given more work, if yeah. they were to invite you, and take mm. it, Chris, you can you can name your part. Yeah, you come, <laughs> I'm sure you've yeah. got a name for your part already. But you can come onto the Archers and, mm. and be a new character. Where would you like to live, or who would you like to be sort of in scenes with, or stuff? Uh, I'd quite like to live with the Grundies. I think really, 
Yeah, I think so. I like the Grundys. You see, I'd I like put you Grundy. down as a Jennifer raiding, raiding the wine fridge. No, I'd find in that all quite irritating after a while. I wouldn't yeah. mind sort of slipping in. I wouldn't mind a quick go on Tom, if I'm honest. But, I, you know... <laughs> I... I uh, <laughs> ow, ow. <laughs> yes, right, go. I, um... <laughs> uh, uh, no, I think I'd rather stay with the Grundys. I think they're a bit more of a laugh. Clary, I've always liked Clary through her various permutations. Yes, well, she she was she's Clary, back, and then she wasn't she Clary, is. and now she's Clary again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first Mrs. Oh, Grundy, the, the second would Mrs. Grundy, <laughs> married Mrs. Grundy. <laughs> only the archers could get away with that. So, <laughs> now your new show, mm. which is going to air 31st, is it, of May? It is. There are there are two whole episodes. Woo-hoo! One goes one Steady. goes up the thirty first, and one goes out the following week. Uh, could you have an omnibus where they stick them both together for the next week? Do you reckon? Well, it would make a whole half hour. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much a series as a, no, as, a as a pairing. One half hour divided into a series. <laughs> and it's about your search or your uh, your dilemma between choosing. Yeah, a it, it's or a about dog. a bit of my life when I wasn't sure whether I wanted a dog or a boyfriend, and. Uh, so uh, I wrote this. Radio 4 commissioned me to do this thing. And uh, I was very lu- lucky. Alison Steadman uh, is in it. Um, and uh, Martin Hyder, who's done tons and tons oh, of stuff. Oh, he's, he's in it. Um, and, uh, and it was fantastic. And, and it went very well. I was very lucky. And um, it, was, it was a joy to do. And, uh, yeah, so they go out then. Go, I think 11 or 11.15 at night. So quite late quite late at the time brian aldridge would be having a small whiskey uh, but yes it was a bit it was an old stand-up routine i used to do and then i kind of developed it for the radio so we, we did that and uh, yes that'll be going out at the end of this month if you'd like to tune in listeners <laughs> um <laughs> because i that not many people on the archers actually have pets dogs and boyfriends do they? uh well bartleby is a horse a pet well, I think if you said, I think if you said to what's his Joe, you know, emotionally he has a, an attachment to him like a pet, doesn't he? He's a working animal, though. I mean, Bartleby, not Joe, isn't he? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not sure what work he does. Well, he trundles Joe around in that knackered old dog cart thing he's got, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure that's work. That's just no. pleasure. Pleasure for a... Well, he's now got a girlfriend, hasn't he, Bartleby? Yes. He moved a new pony, a new biting pony. She was a bit frisky at first, but she's calmed down. Um, so there's Bartleby... And uh, poor well, old Bill's been had, squished, hasn't he? Bill's been killed by Brian Aldridge. Um, uh, so there was Bill. You knew something, because Bill was never mentioned unless something was going to happen. Yeah, the other day yeah. in the episode, so I get Bill! Bill! Yeah. I've got some sardines! Bill! And then a great crash of cars. Bear in mind, I've listened to it really for sort of 20 odd years, over 20 years. I still don't really understand the branches of the Archer family. So I get the Archers where you've got David and yeah. Tudor and Kent and Elizabeth. But then there's this other lot. <laughs> the Bridge Farm lot. The Bridge Farm lot. I don't really know how they're connected. Well, it's, a, it's like when Brian said the other day, when David said, "Righto, I'll come round and um, and pay you back all the money from giving your cows the clap and, yeah. um, and all that," and um, Bri- uh, Brian said, "Yes, well, we don't want to be awkward about it, David, because we are family." I know. And I caught myself I thinking, thinking how? "How? What?" Yeah. But it's all to do with Jennifer and Tony and the the the, the two. Well, yeah, so, so Jennifer and Tony and Lillian are siblings. Yes. But so how are they related to anyone? Because their, their mother was Peggy. 
Yeah, still is. She's still alive, thanks. <laughs> she hasn't been run over by Brian yet. He's backed <laughs> over in the Range Range Rover. What was that bump? Never mind, darling. Drive on. Um, uh, knowing Peggy, she'd just put herself back together again like a cockroach, wouldn't she? <laughs> Go limping around the yard, jamming bits back on. Um, waving her wheel. Yeah, I've got you all. Yeah, she's such an old cow. <laughs> Do you think she's an old cow? Well, I kind of that, that whole will business. Like she couldn't see, you know, that whole thing about. I think it's. But I've gathered everyone here together because I love you all, and to demonstrate how much I love you all, what I'm going to do is is cut one half of the family out completely <laughs> because I don't think you need any money. And then somebody else, because you could do with a leg up, I'm going to give you half a million pounds. But I've treated you all equally. I hope you understand that. Oh, who are you? Someone very suspicious who might rape my granddaughter. I'll give you a 10 grand check. Don't mind me. <laughs> no, I think she's awful. She was very, awful. very hot on Rob, wasn't she, in the beginning? Yeah. She said, oh, you've made the right choice there, Helen, oh, yeah. she said. Well, because he was to the right of Genghis Khan Absolutely. and, you know, yeah. all that. I mean, I don't understand. All that stuff about Peggy growing up in the Blitz. And she mm. was some, at some point we're supposed to believe she was some cockney urchin yeah. grabbing around at the Queen Mother's skirts. <laughs> oh, she's come to visit us. What a lady she is. She's looking us in the eye. What's your name, my dear? And Peggy, I am, miss. My mother's been up to no good. I need to get away. You want to get to the country? Yeah, and where marry, can I get? Marry an what? alcoholic uh, landlord with a heart problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's those. I mean, so I, yeah, I don't like Peggy. But um, what? Sorry, what was your question? Do you know I can't remember? Oh, whether or not you liked Peggy, and clearly the answer is no. No, well, there was something before that, but it was yeah. I, 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 I I'm not keen on Peggy. Uh, oh no, about the the archers, how they're all. Oh yes, 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 yes. Isn't it? Yeah. So hang on. So Peggy married. Oh, for God's sake. Well, she I... had two jacks, didn't she? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just for the sake of simplicity, because she couldn't yeah. be bothered remembering both yeah. names. <sighs> so, Jack Woolley, the first Jack was somebody. Jack Archer? Yeah. That... And he was. But I don't. I can't remember how he fits into everything else. So, the other. So, how was it? Yeah. How was he related to Phil Archer? Were they brothers, maybe? maybe no. They weren't. No. I don't think so. Do you know, oh, we I... need to go on the website and look at the family tree thing, because I'm getting. Well, I, uh, I don't think anyone knows anymore. No. No. As long it's, as they just say, well, we're family. It's like yeah. East End. But it's like an ant colony. I mean, yeah. really, if you open up an ant colony, it'd be hard to say who was related to who, really. Oh, they're brothers. Wait till we get to the Grundies. That family tree is going to be hilarious when they start drawing that out. Oh, yeah, with the kids, isn't it? That's mm. quite hard. Yeah, yeah. But you see, I quite, you see, that's where you get sort of, um, I don't think they've, they've not, have they had this thing? Like my grandmother, you see, because she was one of 14 or something. Blimey. She was. Uh, aunt to someone who was like four years older than her. <laughs> it's like one of those. <laughs> We've not had that yet. I think the Grundys could do with a bit of that sort of familial confusion. And also, I don't understand, where's Lillian got all her cash from? Is that all a load of husbands she's murdered yeah, in Guernsey? Yeah, Ralph Bellamy. Ralph Bellamy, yeah. Yeah, see, but we haven't heard from her tiresome son for a long time. I mean, Deptford, we're supposed to believe. Yeah, we're probably um, due a visit from him, aren't we? Yeah, but they've got a child now, haven't they? James and, and Leonie. Leonie, oh, she's monstrous. I can't she stand is, yeah. her. Yeah. yeah, so, and it's her sister that's called Coriander or something. Yes. Yeah. What yeah. I want to know is who is running Lillian's business? What bit? Oh, what the, she the has property. not done a stroke for about no. six months. Well, she months. got that quite. Didn't she get that quite a good assistant? It was a bit of a pain. Andrea. But then, 
Anthea. Okay. Anthea. But then Anthea. I thought Anthea went. Well, we don't hear from her, but, but the then, same can be yeah. said of Jamie Perks. So yeah. maybe Jamie Perks maybe. is running it. Who yeah. knows? Maybe she's maybe still. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. He's running a multi-million pound property operation. All she's right. flapping about is is redoing the bathroom in whatever whatever that place is she lives. Um, the but not that the Dow House. We don't hear anything about Ambleside anymore. No. And there were a few months when there'd be exciting episodes where where the sound engineer would put the echo button up and she, I love this lovely new empty house. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can Mind see that this. Step. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's dear. a paint from decorator's ladder over there, dear. <laughs> Who's that behind my wardrobe door? Um, so I, yeah, you're right. I think maybe, maybe Justin will come out quite well from the divorce, and then just have to throw all the money at resuscitating in, uh, Ambleside or whatever it's called. Ambleside. Yeah. No Ambleside. one's paid any rent for months. Nobody's visiting <laughs> tenants. <laughs> Things are no, but it's 2017. There are direct debits. <laughs> but no, you're but... right. She was very busy before. She's not she's so busy just now. She's around going, oh, God, I'm so bored. Bored, yeah. bored, bored. And she's ordered, well, she's do some about, bloody work. Obviously, something with Matt Crawford. Maybe she's got him on it. Maybe he's looking after the books. Who knows? Jesus. Well, this is the final question. Okay. And a very big one in people's mm. minds. Do we think Lillian... Is Lillian going to be taken at the ale by Justin <laughs> or Matt? Oh, or does she actually marry either of them? Mm. Does she I come to her sense? Well, I don't know. I have a feeling she is going to marry Justin. Because um, there still I... seems to be a bit of a, she's still, you know, there still seems to be a bit of a, a sparkle around Matt, I think. Well, there is obviously the thing. It's not, it's not finished business, is it, with Matt? But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. And you're slightly confusing me with someone who cares. But <laughs> um, no, no, that, I do care. I do care. Uh, but I think it, the good thing about the archers, I always remember for a while I watched Coronation Street. I stopped a few years ago because I thought life is fine and I'm just giving over too much time to this. And at least I can, you know, prepare dinner while I do Coronation Street. Uh, Eastenders. Uh, no, the archers. So, Lucy. Yes. As well as being an archers fan, mm-hmm. has he ever dumpty dumped? He hasn't ever dumpty dumped, no. Well, I don't like him much then. <laughs> <laughs> Alice no, never dumped either, and you that, liked her. That's not true. She actually did listen. No, but she's. Not, I thought you meant sung a dumpty dum. Oh no, I meant just listen to the show. Oh, I see. Mm. No, but I don't think he's a particularly techie podcasty type of person, really. Really. Hmm. But so. he conducted a Skype interview. Yeah, but that took a lot of doing. <laughs> he was convinced it wasn't going to work. But it worked flawlessly. Did. Flawless it was. Right. Now, you've said there's some good bits to come at the end of the show. <laughs> yes, as opposed to the right. shite. No, no, no. There's just, it's just a load of silly nonsense at the end, but it made me laugh. Mm. Talking about silly nonsense, shall mm-hmm. we deal with some caller in talking about Pip and Toby? Yes. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hello, Dumpty Dumplied Spirit calling. Well, as I speak, the picture of little DJ, the dog, being blown away by listening to Dumpty Dum is on my computer screen and I can't say how adorable he is. Oh, I think he's melted my heart. He's lovely. 
Anyway, the reason I'm calling in is because my arms are not 3,000 miles long and I wanted to extend a virtual high five to the good Dr. Witherspoon in New York over our plot prediction that Pip would show Toby the dumpster. And she has. Yay! Finally, an opportunity for Toby, in amongst all his narcissism and selfishness, to grow up. Unfortunately, he's realised his feelings for Pip too late and it really is too late. Now... I'm sorry, Roy Field, but I really am going to have to stick to my plot prediction here because Toby coming in and interfering with Anisha and Rex's semi-date um, at Bert's house really does pave the way for Rex to be the friend to step in after the breakup because that's who Pip's going to go to. She will go to Rex and he's going to be the one who's there for her. And then we can see how it goes from there. I honestly think that those two will get together. And the very fact that it's been done before in the Archers doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't going to be done again. I think it will be. And I think they will end up together. Anyway, apart from that, yeah, actually really good episode. Enjoyed that. Not too keen on all the farming and technology gubbins that's going on. Alice and Adam whiffling on about this, that and the other. This is almost as tedious as Tom and Brenda whiffling on about bloody marketing several years ago. So, yeah, a bit less of that. That'll be good. Anyway, that's it from me. I hope everyone's well. I'm going to go back to my hot lemon and honey because I am not. But anyway, cheers now. Bye. Hello, Lucy, Roy Field, and all y'all fab dumpty dummers near and far. This is Lord Louise. I know the big news this week is, of course, Toby finally getting kicked to the curb. All I have to say about that is that it made me notice that Pip has thankfully never taken a stereotypical I'll fix him role in her relationship with Toby. So as soon as she let herself see who Toby really is and his negative effect on her, boom, he is gone. No equivocating or maybe he'll change or maybe I can change him. Nope. It's a bit brutal, but I'm all for it. As far as the rest of the week goes, I loved Sunday's uh, family meeting where everyone essentially yelled bullshit in unison when Kate tried to say that spiritual home was vital to the farm. That cracked me up. And on Monday's episode, I really appreciated how Jill was written uh, and acted just really beautifully. She's acting like a mother, like a lifelong farmer, a proud community member. It seemed really realistic and very touching to me how she reacted to finding out that what was going on with them was negatively affecting the Grundies. And then on Thursday's episode, as a baby Jack, I just about fell out of my chair when I heard Alistair mention almost having doped horses. Those are some juicy, shocking closet secrets for a small town vet, I gotta say. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. One brief word about Pip and Toby. When an intoxicated Toby appeared under Pip's window after he got the heave-ho, was anyone reminded of a very similar scene between a drunken, heartbroken Roy and Elizabeth? Scriptwriters, that was either very purposeful or a little lazy on your part. But I did greatly enjoy the breakup. Hope it sticks. Well, that's all for today. We'll talk to you again soon. Good evening, Royfield, Lucy, and all fellow Dumpty Dummers. It's the Sussex Shepherd here. I really found the, the breakup between Pip and uh, Toby to be quite moving. Uh, um, the, the rage and the passion and the frustration that, um, that Pip was expressing and the way she acted it, I thought was superb. So anyway, there we go. That's just my two penneth for the week. Um, hope you all have a good weekend, and I'll listen to you all again next week. Thanks. Hi. One of these days these boots are
gonna walk all over you Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jojo Sexy Heels here. Very brief call today. Uh, in the background of Anisha and Rex's um, night in, cosy night in, uh, was playing George Ezra. The song was Budapest, and I always think it's interesting when somebody picks up something about Hungary because it means I'm just waiting for Debbie to reappear. Um, but the actual song... Um, the, the lyrics of the song said, it, I'd, "I'd give it all up for you. Just let me know." It was it was the aspect of, of that that made me think, "This is really what we want to hear with um, with Rex." Don't want him giving in and thinking that Pip is the world's best woman, and she clearly isn't. She's a waste of space. She drives us all bonkers with her self-centeredness. Um, so please. Rex, stick with Anisha. She seems like a good girl. Please, the lines, my acres of land I have achieved, it may be hard for you to stop and believe, but for you, I'd leave it all. Please, don't give up Anisha for Pip. She isn't worth it. Bye now. Well, Gould, I really don't know about... Pip sounded unhealthily... No, Toby sounded... God, Lucy, Rex sounded unhealthily <laughs> interested in the fact that Toby had dumped Pip. The thing is with Rex and Toby, their biggest love affair is with each other. So I'm not sure whether it was kind of ha ha ha, whether it was glee, whether it was actual genuine interest that Pip had dumped him or whether it was just ha ha, my brother has lost. And that was a sort of a sense of triumph. I really don't know. But uh, poor old Anisha just saw the saw the subtext there and just said, right, I'm off. I've had a hard week anyway. Ta-da. Um, I mean, he didn't, I don't think there was a, a moment really with Rex and Pip was there. Cause he said there was, and I thought it wasn't really anything. Well, he did say there was, and he said there might've been, he did slightly correct himself. But there might've been with anybody. I don't know why. I suppose it was, I don't know. It, it just seemed a bit like he was, being not too honest with Anisha, but unnecessarily honest. He needn't have. He just said, "No, nothing. She's just a. She's just a friend because she is." Well, there, there you go. I think you put your put your finger on it. Unnecessarily honest. Mm. Um, however, I would slightly say that she was unnecessarily um, kind of touchy about it. She didn't. She didn't yeah. need to like fly off the handle and, and like no. storm out. But still, he should have just said, "Yeah, you're completely right." I don't know what he's on about. But then, when when you're when you get you do I I I know what she means. You do get that feeling sometimes. You think, oh, what am I doing here? He's not really, you know. I'm a I'm definitely the runner up here, and you just think, oh, sod it, because you want to be top of like I was banging on about. You want to be top of someone's list, not you know. Well, the first one was taken, so I'll go for the I'll go for option B. You know, you want to be option A, don't you? And I think uh, Anisha realised that she and she doesn't strike me as as somebody that would be comfortable being anybody's option B. Mm. Well, most people aren't comfortable being option B, are they? Most people no, aren't. No. Right. But I just, I think she's been set up to be not necessarily a difficult character, but somewhat of a slightly touchy and complex one. And, and, and so is he, but in directly in kind of an inflex kind of proportion, right? Yeah. You know, he's, he's soft and smushy, 
without really having any form of backbone. And and also somewhat kind of when it comes to affairs of the heart, you know, obviously socially inept, you know, without it being cripplingly, um, well, it's it's hard to listen to. You just think, oh, come on, grow a pair of balls, man. Yeah. Right, and just deal with the situation. The deal was going to be sealed, wasn't it? Because she was round there. She didn't want to go out. She no, was very no, clear. No. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather stop in. So her expectations were somewhat dashed when she was thinking, well, right, th- this is our big night. And then all of a sudden, Toby comes in with his size 10s yeah. and, and, and stomps yeah. all over their romantic evening. And then he just didn't have the wherefore-all just to say, well, I don't know what my brother's on about. He's obviously just upset. But you know what? Let me just top up your wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'd have done. Well, any sensible person. We're getting, person. We're getting a very interesting no. little glimpse here into the the Royfield Brown School of Seduction. Well, yes. <laughs> I don't know who that woman was. Let me let me top up your wine, dear. <laughs> <laughs> These lights are a bit bright. I'll just I'll just dim the. We've got to yeah. dim the switch. Actually, it's a remote control, so I don't have to move. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, um. Uh, Jojo Sexy Heels is fairly insistent, I think. Mm. I think I can say that, Jojo. Um, That Rex should run, run like the wind from Pip and stick with Anisha. I do think that Pip certainly can't rebound from one brother to another this is that would be ludicrous and embarrassing for her and just everybody and everything um but I do think that Anisha provides a welcome kick up the arse to Rex who is Mm. a bit of a ditherer and she is nothing if not leap first think later isn't she like this business about blooming Latif and um uh and and Matt you know she doesn't know either of them from Adam and she's literally from Adam, and she's and she's you know leap. Yes, I'll do your I'll do your um, I'll do your your pre uh, race checks for you, pre purchase checks for you for nothing. Yeah, that's fine in exchange for you recommending me. There's absolutely she's taking Matt's word that any of this is real, and she already knows exactly what kind of a bloke he is. You know, she knows that he's he's been done for. He's fraudulent. He's been he's unreliable. He legged it. He's been in prison. He's you know blah blah blah. And she's just like, yeah, fine, yeah, I trust you. You know, and you think, why? This is nuts. Mm. True. Considering she's supposed to be so whip smart, that makes yeah. uh, you know you would um, you know, and everybody counsels against having anything to do with Matt. Yeah, no. he has no supporters in the village, so to speak. But let she alone... did say, "Oh, I can, I can, I've, I've eaten bigger men than him for breakfast," sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, if she does have this kind of, but that's quite dangerous, isn't it? That kind of, I'm so keen to prove how tough I am that I'm going to put myself in a really risky position just to prove that I'm right. Mm. Yeah, it, it all just feels like a whole bag of nonsense to me, uh, <laughs> right here and now. But then again, yeah. so does Matt's scheme. Yeah. You know, that there is this, I know nothing about horse racing. So. See, I think we are heading for an Ambridge Extra in Costa Rica, seriously. But it was so ridiculous. We can't do bloody Moscow, <laughs> Bosnia, and then... <laughs> it's yeah. just got a travel show <laughs> around the world with Matt Crawford. <laughs> exactly. But this whole, you know, we're going to build a race course in Costa Rica and then we're going to breed all the horses. And so I said, oh, come on, stop it now. You know, okay. please. I think... I'm more interested in Anisha and Rex than I am 
and ever was in Pip and Toby. Though, really? well, I would, yeah, I think so. I think so. There is, there is something because it doesn't feel to me like a relationship of equals at all. But Glyn Fuller Love did say many, many, many podcasts ago that there is, um, you know, they, they are the inverse of each other. And right. whereas yeah. where Rex needs to learn from her to grow a pair of balls or have a backbone mm-hmm. and she yeah. needs to learn a certain level of humility and, you know, and to be um, a little bit softer. And they could actually yeah, so learn... far he needs a backbone and some balls. Yes, <laughs> there's nothing left, really, is there? It's just like a big bag of skin, genderless skin. Well, well, he kind of is, and so hence this: I've eaten, you know, bigger men than you for breakfast. You yeah. wouldn't be with a Rex if that's your your yeah, vibe. Yeah. You wouldn't be with a Rex. Maybe you he's know. really looking. Hmm. Because I know Pip went all <laughs> when. Toby got his kit off when he was washing himself in the pump in a very D.H. Lawrence-y sort of way. Um, but I kind of imagine that they're both fairly good looking. But Yeah, but in that kind of nondescript, middle-class, yeah. rugger-bugger way. Yeah. And Rex so you like that, fresh, don't you? Yeah, and Rex is slightly a bit more sort of fresh-faced and, no. you know. I do, yeah, this is just you and your middle-aged woman fantasy. I, <laughs> I don't know, and I can't indulge it really, so I'm going to move, move swiftly on. <laughs> Right, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And now we're going to do the bill calls. So it's the end of another week in the Archers, and I think it's a week that's seen the best and the worst of Archers writing. Uh, Firstly, on Tuesday, I think it was, we had Peggy losing her beloved Bill, the... uh, brother of Ben, one of the last links perhaps to her husband, um, needlessly killed, in fact not even killed, left to die by a speeding vehicle and then put down by the vet and her handling such news with the immortal line, well there's no point in getting too upset about it. (sighs) I just feel whoever wrote that line has never owned a pet. Um, The idea of there being a point to being upset is just, I don't know, makes no sense to me. Poor Bill. We've been expecting a death by car, but the scriptwriter certainly surprised us with the identity of the first victim. Brian, you really must not have been paying attention. Was it that difficult to avoid Bill meandering on the road? I can't imagine old fat cats moving very quickly. Interesting that last week Lucy and Royfield were talking about the two faces of Peggy, and this week we got to witness her split personality in action. We know how much Bill meant to her, but following his death, she employed her very stiff upper lip in her lack of public mourning, and we heard her angry response to Christine's tearfulness. In the business, these are clinical examples of reaction formation. I think I've previously referred to this defense mechanism, but to remind people, it's the tendency of a repressed wish or feeling to be expressed at a conscious level in a contrasting form. We did get a small window into Peggy expressing her sadness when she chose to bury Bill in the garden instead of cremating him. I think at some time she'll have a cry at his grave. Let's also give special recognition this week to Linda, who is always very lovely and empathic when someone needs a shoulder to cry on, even if Peggy didn't take advantage of it. The main thing that interested me this week was that As a crazy cat person, I do not feel that the death of Bill was treated with due respect. 
I don't need endless grief or suffering cat sound effects. I just hope that when I die, something better comes from my demise than the bolstering of a Linda Speedwatch plot point. Oh, also, Brian is scum. We knew that, but at least he confessed. Okay, my time's up. Thank you. Love to everybody. Rock and roll. Yes. Was that Brian hooting behind you in that call with a spoon? That made me laugh. I thought, God, he's gone over another one. Um, well, Peggy's reaction. I have, I have seen that before with people where they are more annoyed at someone else getting the attention that they feel should be theirs for after a death. And they seem to put all their energies that you would expect them to go into the morning, into the grief, to actually be focused on irritation at the other person, which I suppose is kind of just moving the energy to a different place, isn't it? It just shifts the emotion to anger rather than actual grief. It's like there's why there's all these massive rows at funerals, family rows and bust ups. And it's not I know I always say it's about the will, but quite often it isn't. It's just about it's much easier to be cross than sad. Um but you know when she kind of said like lord louise said she she sort of said um well there's no point worrying about it now is there and you think my god you've had this cat for like over a decade and it's just been flattened and its head run over by brian and you're like oh well you know well i suppose when you get to peggy's age and you're what you're 94 you've seen a lot of death so you're gonna have a a certain kind of attitude to it you know everybody's Mm. time comes you know, there's only so much. Uh, that's only only so many tears you can shed on on the issue. Oh well, you know, best just hasten him on to the afterlife, to the cat afterlife. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Watch your face. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy yourself sitting in the in the in the. You know, do you want him? Do you want him buried in the sun or the shade and all that stuff? And she was just like, yes. Well, let's get on with it. No point messing around, is there? No point dragging it out and. Well, you yourself do address this kind of in uh, your preamble to Walkie Talkie, where you say that uh, people have their pets, have their dogs, and, you know, then they get ill, they get old, they get ill, then they die, then they're devastated, and they say, I'll never have another yeah, one, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two months later, they're the little yeah. puppy, and whatever, yeah. and, they're, and they're beaming. Yeah. Yeah, she'll get over Bill. Well, I... I, I... I think she has. I mean, I think she got over him yeah. while he was still lying, she, twitching just, on the tarmac. She was just slightly indecent with her haste in terms of yeah. getting over him. That's all. That's I'm all. now. Is there any cake? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I did love the idea of Auntie Cardboard sobbing away in her room and everyone trying to comfort her and Peggy just getting irritated. Why is Christine? Was it, you know, it's not about her. It's about me and I don't care. So <laughs> to the lot of you. But then... You know, as Lillian said, um, she was so upset when Ben died. uh, And she said, well, that was just because it wasn't after Jack had died. Mm -hmm. But maybe, like you said, Peggy's at the age now where, you know, it's just a series of goodbyes. Yeah. Oh, that's quite sad. What age does that happen, do you reckon? When, When do things tip from being hello, I'm all excited about life to, you know, resignation that the end is coming and it's just, you're always just saying goodbye to people. Well, my great aunt was 80 mm. and and I remember having a conversation with her when I was a teenager and she said, 
do you worry about dying? And I said, yes, I'm terrified of it. And I think about it every day. And she said, well, you should do at your age. That's healthy. But she said, if this helps, when you get to my age, it doesn't start. It doesn't feel frightening anymore. It feels like the right thing to happen. And you don't, she said, I don't say that I'm looking forward to it, but it doesn't feel like a, a tragedy. Hmm. Interesting. And I, that, I did find that quite comforting, actually. Yeah. Crumbs. <laughs> a bit bleak, isn't it? No, Sorry. No, I, I don't know about bleak. I think I, I think you're right. That's actually kind of quite comforting. They, and you know, and um, but it's just another philosophical insight on dum de dum. You know, in between all the bum jokes and the, uh, the you know, potty <laughs> humour. There yeah. are there are little nuggets, aren't there, to help us as yeah. human beings on on life's merry journey. Yes, or not that merry, depending. True that. Do you know what, what? this scruff gin bollocks? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it. Scruff gin bollocks. That's what I, that's what I mean. So you've said that quite beautiful <laughs> thing. Scruff gin bollocks. <laughs> right, and then you follow it up with scruff gin bollocks. Well, anyway, scruff gin bollocks. Mm. Um. We still haven't heard from Jolene and Ruth. I know she didn't. Pip this week when Kenton said, oh, I um, Kenton suggested that I Toby said Kenton suggested that I take you away for the weekend. And and Pip said, oh, for goodness sake, don't listen to him. He's he still owes my dad a load of money. Yeah. And I thought, is this just a quick nudge to us? David doesn't know that Kenton's invested this money in in Toby's gin rather than paying him back. Mm. Because this we don't know how much this money is. How this money is in the investment, do we? No. We have no idea. I mean, for all I know, it could be five grand or it could be ten grand. I've got absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. As always with the archers, they just like to leave you. Uh, you know, it's like those. It's like those films with salesmen where they write. I'm going to write a figure down now and pass it over, and everyone goes, "Ooh!" You know, we have no idea whether we're talking about, you know, pence or gazillions of pounds. Um, but it's madness. And I don't think, Joe, as we keep saying, Jolene would not let Kenton piss the money away on investing in Toby's gin rather than paying the money back. But is that the next bust up that's going to happen when David finds out that actually Kenton's buggered the money away on um, on the silly old scruff bollocks gin rather than paying him back? Uh, you'd think so, wouldn't you? It's, it's been too neatly set up for that. So you think, well, that, you know, needs to happen as night follows day. So... Pip hasn't told her parents that uh, Kenton has invested in Toby's gin yet. I don't I, think she has, has she? I don't think she has either. Mm. I presume that's all to happen this week. <laughs> um, right, we have an emailer in her now. Miss Bobbles, Robin, from Australia. And she says... Um, Lillian and Justin, I thought their greeting after some time apart sounded a little stilted for an engaged couple. It just didn't seem right. People in the first rows of love usually have some sort of nickname for each other. Then I thought, maybe I'm imagining this. After all, no one else in the Archers has nicknames each other. And then I thought, of course, Puscat and Tiger. That is the contrast. Justin and Lillian just don't have that sort of relationship. As well as that, Lily admitted she was holding back and Justin told her effectively to mind her own business. Those comments were about specific things, not in general about the relationship, but just not the conversation you would expect for a couple in love. 
they seem to reconcile in the end, but not very convincingly. It will not last. You know, though, all right, the being in the first kind of throes of love when you are a teenager is very different from when you're in yeah. your mid 40s as I am now. So I can only presume that when you're in your mid 60s, it's different again. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, there's a certain level of pragmatism and well yes you know we are doing this together but we don't need to get really giddy about things but you can still have but, very but, deep affection and still call it love but what about matt and lillian then that's what i was talking about sorry what was he talking well what, what, sorry who are we saying aren't in love sorry lillian i'm confused was, lillian mccarthy was saying that mm-hmm. justin and lillian aren't actually in love well that's what i was saying yeah, That's but my Matt whole point. and Lillian had nicknames for each other, and they were the same age. Oh, yeah, but yeah, okay. Let let, let scratch what I said before, and let let me let me say this again. You can be in love with people <laughs> at, at, at similar points in your life, and it to take on very different forms, right? Sometimes it can be a little bit more giddy, and um, on the face of it, uh, more affectionate, i.e., nicknames. But actually, you know, you can't trust them as far as you can throw them, and vice versa. <laughs> oh, Roy Field. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are you apologising for? Uh, because I don't think we're talking about Matt and Lily. <laughs> I think we are. Okay, then. <laughs> No, 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 there is a, and I do take the point that the dynamic between Matt and Lillian was much more playful than it ever is between Justin and Lillian. Though, you know, there was the whole scene at at the party where they went off dancing together and something fell down a cleavage and stuff and he was retrieving it and stuff. So, you know, there is a, Justin, you can have fun with Justin. Yeah. Justin does have a fun side. Uh, fun. Justin. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, you know, you could argue that because he's going through a divorce at the moment, he's somewhat slightly distracted and he needs to kind of get through that. Um, but what, one of the things which I thought was kind of quite touching from last week was when he was talking about the divorce, and he's getting very hit up and how uh, Miranda wants all of the contents of their wine cellar and he, you know, yeah. but I saw her off from that. Um, and he was so in the moment, yeah. very understandably. And he said, uh, and he basically, I, I forget exactly what he said, but Lillian did say, well, we are supposed to be a couple, etc." And he did kind of pull back and say, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And they, yeah. and they, and they showed a togetherness and they showed an empathy and an understanding. And he did a course correction. Yeah. So, you know, I would say that that, was you know displayed a large amount of l-o-v-e really and just you yeah. know compassion f- for each other you know. yeah it takes yeah, on different forms been, doesn't it are loose if that had been matt and lillian and matt had said to lillian shove off it's nothing to do with you she just smashed a vase over his head or something but they <laughs> were able to kind of talk about it and you know yeah say well, this is what i feel and this is what i feel and blah 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 yeah well it's whether or not well anyway Lillian let's do Lillian McCarthy's email because she has a very strong plot prediction 
about about these two. Um, Just before we go on, do you mm-hmm. think that I have a wine cellar? You? Yeah, is that what you were alluding to before? Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean. Shut up. <laughs> For me, be my basement full of Marvel comics. <laughs> she she wants all my copies of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a rabid Alsatian at the door. She's not having them. <laughs> Ah, oh, Lillian McCarthy. Toby, when he realises there's no way back for him and Pip, will slink off to Brighton with Kenton and Jolene's and David's money and Scruff Gin will be no more. Rex, unable to stand the embarrassment of seeing Kenton and Jolene every day following Toby's disappearance, will go back to nursing his ailing father, leaving Anisha to the charms of Matt. Lillian won't marry Justin, as Miranda will leave him penniless. On the eve of her wedding, Matt will come to have a drink with her for old time's sake. One thing will lead to another, and she'll realise where her heart lies. She will run away with Matt, leaving Justin devastated. Mm. Lillian, I lo- you, are a, you are a dark-minded woman, and I like it. <laughs> Any yeah. of those strike your fancy, Mr Brown? Hmm... Give me well, hmm. Yes, all of them, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Toby going off to Brighton, back again to Brighton. Well, and not paying the money back. Well, I, no one's going to see that money again. No. As sure as eggs is eggs. As sure I as Josh's eggs are Josh's eggs, you're not going <laughs> to see that money I again. Think he, might, he might stay and try and make scruff gin because he won't be able to accept that Pip said get stuffed. And he'll just want to hang around until... He'll want to sort of get her back because he won't be able to settle knowing that he lost, I mm. think. I can't imagine him just going. And Anisha's surely got... I mean, I don't know about, you know, the charms of Matt, but I really don't think... She's a young woman and he's about nearly... Well, he's like mid-60s or something, isn't he? Mm. Well, she's not going to go off him, Matt. That'd just be bonkers no. beyond belief. Um, I'll... I, I don't want Tobes to go after Brighton. As I've said before, I think he's an interesting character. And I got a sneaky feeling that this scruff gin crapola will be a moderate success. Moderate because yeah. everybody keeps on saying it actually does taste half halfway decent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he's gonna you know, so he's gonna say that I'm in the gin business. He's gonna be he's gonna be able to legitimately to say that. And then if he becomes not totally solid financially, but at least he can kind of pay his own way, it'd be interesting to see the dynamic of him and Pip kind of going forward. You know, and as I said many, 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 many moons ago, I told you, and he, and he, and he said it, I love you. You are the first person ever I've ever wanted to be exclusive with. He didn't quite mm-hmm. use those words and stuff. So we know as far as he's concerned, completely and utterly genuine and it's not for him ostensibly it's actually not about the money however very close behind the fact that he's actually really into pip is the fact that she's got a farm and some land and and whatever blah 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 but anyway i'm wittering on what were what were the other points in that email and i can hear you typing you're bored sorry no i'm not you're you're answering you're answering your gmail now aren't you no i'm not tax returns maybe (laughs) (laughs) I realised I hadn't put someone's name on a tweet of the week. Sorry. Oh. Sorry, sorry. 
uh, Rex will go back to nursing his father because he won't be able to face everybody after Toby's bad behaviour. And uh, Lillian will run away with Matt. Uh, Matt. Mm. I don't think the last two are going to happen. No. No. Right. Um, now, last week, Mr. B mm. said that he was very conscious that we ranted on about Brexit a bit, but we didn't give any um, any sort of uh, credence or understanding to the other side and why somebody would have voted pro-Brexit. This is not a political podcast, clearly, because it's about the archers. But as we have done it, as we have banged on about it in a snidey sort of our sort of way, uh, so much then we felt that we should give the right of reply to somebody who had uh, voted uh, leave. And so somebody very kindly has emailed in and they wish to remain anonymous, completely understandably. Um, so... Uh, Just before you launch in there, Freeman. Yeah. Uh, Mike Smythe, um, who is uh, on the Twitters, he said, Roy Field, I started this project a few weeks ago, but not had much luck either. All right. So he asked the same thing on the Twitters. Um, a very oh. fulsome kind of question. And, you know, he basically said, I want to understand. Yeah. And he had a whole load of replies. But these for, from all Remainers, Remoners, saying, yep, well, nobody's replied, have they? So just saying, right. you know, Mike um, was in a similar boat to you and I and okay. just flummoxed. And yeah, so he okay. he told me that on the Twitters after hearing Dum Dum. I have edited this down considerably because it was a, too long to read out. Um, but this is the gist uh, or this is the edited highlights. Uh, there was no doubt that for many people, immigration and a lack of control was a huge factor in their thinking. For me personally, immigration is not an issue I'm concerned about, but I do think that it's a basic part of any country's identity that it can control its own laws. Of course, there are international laws and norms, such as those related to war crimes, but the EU legislature goes far further than that. And of course, we should cooperate on many areas of modern life, whether that's environmental change, people trafficking or terrorism. But I don't really see why the EU is needed for that either. After all, we're able to cooperate with Japan or the USA, Trump notwithstanding, or South Africa mm -hmm. on these issues either bilaterally or through such forms as the UN. It was my belief that once people in this country once again feel a measure of control, once they feel that their voices are being heard and listened to, we can return to a more civilised debate. There would be no need for the likes of Nigel Farage and his ilk. Of course, they won't leave our society or the debate, but they'll return to being a small and non-dominant part of the political map rather than its fulcrum. Mm. I thought that was jolly interesting. Mm. Um, and I agree, actually, about the, the Nigel Farage thing. You would not believe it is incredible how often that man, considering he doesn't even, his party is basically combusted, how often the sod is on the television. No, but you know what? He, he should be, right? And what he's done is to completely reframe uh, British politics. Um, be, the day before that result, nobody thought... It, they would ever win uh, that would actually exit and he's managed to do that not really leading a political party but leading a pressure group he's the yeah. most significant British politician of the last 20 years and he's really done it outside of parliament 
you know, if this was if we were talking about American politics, this would make much more sense. America being mm. this multipolar, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, democracy where there are centers of powers all over the place, of which there are genuine uh, political groups, uh, groups of activism outside of politics that use politics as, as an adjunct, but are outside of you know they're not in Congress or not in the Senate. But as much as I dislike the man, I have to say. He's the most significant politician of the last twenty years, and he mm. d- and he you know and he's not stepped foot into Parliament. No, you know. Yep. So, um, you know, thank you, thank you for for the email. The only thing that I, that I would say is that when you have a world where increasingly the internet is dominant, so um, national borders become much less important. Um, you are somewhat rowing uh, the wrong way against the tide of, of history. And I take the point about borders and control. But the fact, the unpalatable truth of the matter is, is that historically, and I'm not talking about the last 10 years, 15 years, 50 years when my folks came here, I'm talking about looking at the whole sum of human history countries societies that actually uh, encourage and can deal with immigration ultimately are economically richer now you can look through whether it is um, the Greeks the Romans the Chinese the whatever right but uh, that has always been the case in in human history but what does happen with with immigration is on the on the edges of it um, is a certain amount of, of friction, social friction, whilst that new group gets accommodated into mm. the wider whole. Mm. And and I think people like me have been somewhat blithe to the understandable uh characteristic of human nature which is people who are different and are new are always seen as other and are seen as a threat over time that subsides but that's not to say that um it doesn't happen it's always happened throughout human history um you know when when the normans rocked up <laughs> when the normans rocked up uh, the anglo-saxons weren't too happy there's a bit of friction nigel farage just was there to <laughs> so so yes um you can take a long view about this and i and, and my view is a, a medium to long term which is we are rowing against the tired tide of history um however you know we are doing this thing and i just think that it's incredibly sad the signals that it does um give out not just to Europe, but to the to the rest of the world. But I say this frequently to Americans. Um, you know, Americans are flummoxed about the election of Trump, and being in California, um, you know, California is I don't know. Let's say sixty five, sixty five to seventy percent um, kind of Hillary. You know, it's an extremely yeah. liberal place, and Californians are like, we don't understand. And they say, but you guys did Brexit. And I go, there's a big difference here. Mm. You've elected a buffoon, somebody who's so obviously temperamentally not able to do the job. 
you can get rid of him in four years time at worst eight years he will go and actually in two years time at the midterms you can neuter him now i'm not saying that Theresa may is a buffoon she's anything but a buffoon she's an incredibly uh competent politician and so are the tory party they're not they're not trumpists they're not but the decision that we've made absolutely cripples us as a country going forward and we can't just reverse that in two years four years eight years we've done something which is so fundamentally um crazy in terms of long-term economic prospects that it just can't be rode back Mm. The, the only thing we can hope is that as the world gets much more interconnected going forward in the 21st century that actually whatever Brexit we have whether it's hard Brexit soft Brexit or whatever becomes a mute point because Mm. standards of manufacture standards of employment etc etc have to unify have to uh, consolidate so that it will make the fact that we are nominally not in the European Union totally a moot point Mm. whether we talk about um, you know and I did briefly mention the internet and whatever but we are living in a world where everything is converging absolutely everything and the inevitability is that um, whether it's 15 years 50 years um, it really won't matter but our economic interests right here and now are hampered by this Mm. and one of the things the the last thing I'll say about this is that Nigel Farage did say and I had to respect the man um, many moons ago because he understands this economic argument that open borders mean more trade which means everybody ultimately gets richer and as I say that's been the standard of human history since time immemorial if you if you cut yourself off cleave yourself off build trade walls barriers ultimately um, it spurs a certain amount of inward trade but ultimately um, over a period of time those benefits are lost he understands that and what he said in an interview I'll never forget this he says I don't care if we lose for argument's sake 0.5 of GDP going forward there is a bigger uh, bigger motive there's a bigger principle at stake we can become poorer I don't care and actually I do care you know and 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 that and that's the difference I care about it economically I care about it in terms of uh, what it says about us as a society as a people and I think uh you know and and ultimately call me an elitist but I am a globalist I think you Mm. travel the world and for the most part people are the same and whether they have different skin colors different religions that they practice we are fundamentally the same and I don't think there's anything exceptional about being British per se I like being British I quite like speaking English and whatever I don't think we're better than anybody else you know and that that makes me somebody's doing down Britain I would I would you know I'd like to argue and say not but if that's your viewpoint that's your viewpoint but thank you for your email Thank you, Anonymous. <laughs> you wish you hadn't done it now, don't you? Well, you know, I feel quite strongly about this stuff. But as I said, 
I've actually kind of come to terms with the bonkers decision that was made. Uh, and I'm still proud to call myself British. But, you know, as I say, I don't think that we're better than anybody else. You know, quite like the Poles. I like the fact, Lucy, that those Polish fighters in the Second World War, you know, when the German hordes rolled into Poland, they took their planes and they came to Britain to fight for Blighty against the Hun. Like that. <laughs> Can we can we think of another set of images? Indians. I like the fact that in you know in the First World War, one million people from the Indian subcontinent fought for the British Empire, and that all gets forgotten about. You know, my great uncle fought for Britain as a as a Jamaican in in the First World War. You know, all this cleave ourselves off. We're all different. It's all a bunch of hooey, right? We're all in it together, and that's fucking humanity. Let's move on to an ad break. <laughs> <laughs> Come back the other side after Lucy talks about walkie talkie, which is stunning this week, and I'll talk about Friday 15. Oh, there is another dum de dum parallel on uh, Friday 15 this week. Last week it was Kerry Davis, this week it's Claire Asbury. She's very, ah. yeah, yeah, she's big into housing, don't you know? Ew. Talks about the UK housing crisis because she's some big cheese in uh, the. National um, Housing Association. Yeah, proper big cheese. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment. You can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Don't know why she bothers with dumb dumb She's way too important to be called... <laughs> <laughs> In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And awesome, yeah. Um, for me, I well, and I think the reason that I 
somehow managed to, to win in the end is that for me it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years. And I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, if your dogs get on, you tend to just you say, which way are you going? Can I come with you? And you just sort of amble along. And you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations. Partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front, so there's no embarrassing eye contact. If things get a bit heavy, if someone starts talking about something that they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, oh, I can never have another one and then in a couple of months time they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them and um, we've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start it's a lovely way to start your morning it never fails to give me something something nice to think about, something interesting to think about even if it's not nice and having a dog is a sort of a, a universality really, the people aren't all like me as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series. Leading up to the 1860 election, in walks a gentleman by the name of Abraham Lincoln, who is the Republican candidate. The Republicans to the South represent the ending of slavery. And Lincoln, despite the fact that his sentiment was always in the beginning to preserve the Union rather than to abolish slavery, becomes the lightning rod of anti-Southern sentiment. And he ends up winning the election in 1860 with no support from the South. The Guardian, Manchester, Tuesday, November 20th, 1860. Summary of news, foreign. The details respecting the presidential election furnished by the New York journalist, not complete, but they not only assure us of Mr. Lincoln's election, but show that the Republican Party has obtained far more than the requisite number of votes for his return. It is calculated that New York, Pennsylvania, the New England states, New Jersey, and the Northwestern states give him 171 electoral votes, or 19 more than the majority required for the election. The total number of electoral votes 
being 303. It is not improbable, too, that this majority may be further swelled by the result of the elections in the Pacific states of Oregon and California. We have no account of the manner in which the Southerners have received the intelligence of Mr. Lincoln's election. The next advices will no doubt be filled with fierce Southern declamations and protest, but it's not very likely that any Southern states will do anything mere than talk loudly about succession. Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes from Washington to Obama. 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Good day, everyone. Millie Bell here. We talked about everything this week. We talked about British bird calls on Facebook. We talked about Kate and how she sees the world. We also talked about uh, David saying that things couldn't get any worse. So we came up with a lot of predictions about how they are going to get worse and what they could possibly be. So you must jump onto Facebook to read those. Some really interesting suggestions. We also wondered whether Linda had been opportunistic in trying to get Brian to help with the traffic count or whether she actually knew something. So um, get involved in that debate if you would like to on Facebook. And we also talked about Matt at Crawford. And if uh, you are approached by him, uh, you take a large dose of cynicism to completely cleanse your system. Uh, Witherspoon said, as Leslie Greaves inferred, Matt is a total scam artist and quite transparent at that. Send him packing like Rob and Ambridge will be much better off. I may be in the minority, but I find nothing charming or interesting about him. And that was in response to Leslie saying that great scam technique, dangle it in front of the sucker and say, you can't have this, but we might just squeeze you in. Sounds like Latif can take care of himself, though. Yes, I must admit, I found that whole scene really uncomfortable. Sally knew he said, I don't think Latif buys it just a free lunch. The way Matt expresses himself, even I would think fringe player. He's nowhere near the big time unless scriptwriters live a very sheltered life. Al Williams, though, said, Our tiger has more charisma in his little finger than boring old Justin has in his entire body. And Pusscat knows it in her heart. And Glenn Lynn Fuller Love said, I'm beginning to think Matt's return will be more a Shula and Alastair story than a Lil Matt Justin one. Ooh, interesting, Glenn. Further to that, we also had a quick discussion about Toby and his approach to maintaining the relationship. And Rob's shosh said, even before Pip finally found her courage to end her awful relationship, I was humming that song too much, too little, too late. Hearing Toby suddenly trying to woo Pip and focusing on her for once, rather than himself, I felt sad for them both. So unaware of their own issues. It was, it was really sad, wasn't it? And finally, we discussed um, when did Anish become so unkind about other women? And it's really interesting. I thought this was going to be uh, a very divided debate, and I think I'm in the minority. A lot of people see Anisha quite differently to me. Witherspoon says there have been previous hints of Anisha's callousness, tricking Jazza, calling the late Bill fat, kind of flirting with Matt. 
On the other hand, she did return to Scotland to help her parents. But I disagree because Bill what is fat. I thought she was uh, giving payback to Jazza for him trying it on with her, and Matt was flirting with her. So I, I still thought that the attack on Pip, the verbal attack, came out of left field. Catherine Kavanagh said she clearly has her eyes on hapless Rex and probably sees through the pit myth perpetuated by the village of Young Farmer, the future of Brookfield, etc. So whilst I don't particularly like the abrasive nature of the character, she will have clocked Hapless's defending of entitled Archer. It's a human rather than a nasty response. By the way, nothing she said was untrue. Again, I agree, nothing she said was untrue, but I don't think it's a kind thing to say something like that out loud. You know, obviously things aren't going well for them, so why say that? I, I don't know. To me, it just felt very unkind. Uh, Denise Tomlinson then said, what I did enjoy was Toby in his full true colours, selfish and aggressive. He barges in on Rex and Anisha with no thought that they may be wanting a romantic evening, ruins the mood, nicks the wine and throws a hand grenade of a comment about Pip into the room and buggers off. I hope the demon speeding driver adds him to his tally. <laughs> and she, um, Gordon Jackson said, I feel sorry for Rex. That's the closest he's been to even a sniff of action. And just as he was about to get him, um, get it on, in walks Toby to ruin everything for him all over again. Lol. Lots and lots on that thread. And in a similar vein, really encourage you to get on, have a, uh, get involved, uh, because we love to hear from you. So, uh, I'll leave you in the fair hands of, uh, Yokel Bear for next week. And until a fortnight from today, you, I can't even speak Australian anymore. Get me out of here. Thank you, Millie Bell. A rather concise, witty uh, roundup of all things on our socials. But you know what, though, Luce? What, what, what? Forums dying a death. I'm not even dying a death, dead. Dead, 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 oh, dead, really? dead. I, seriously, folks, I did say this a couple of weeks ago. Need somebody just to take the forum in hand. Not Cosmo, he's doing enough on that website. Need somebody to say, all right, I'm going to just concentrate on the forum. I'm going to post a few posts, get, get uh, interest going again. You know, we need someone who can act as some good um, message husbandry on, on that forum and kind of get it going. So if you think that you are the said same person that can do that, uh, back channel, tweet me, DM me, email me, whatever, and we'll get you the right privileges to get that going. Because it's a bloody crying shame because there are people that aren't on Facebook, aren't on the Twitters that actually do want to talk about um, the archers. Uh, via the Dumby Dum forums, and that's the reason for the forum on dumdydum.com. So, all right, so I've said that. Now, uh, Luce, mm-hmm. hit us with some tweets, please. Um, Hinge Zandel has some maths for us. Are we feeling bright, Royfield? Uh, one minute. I just put. Um, I'm holding myself as a hostage to fortune here by saying I feel bright. I'm going to say no. Okay, good. Because it's, it's a bit of Archer's algebra. Right. B equals p minus one where b is the number of brook uh, b equals the number of bedrooms at brookfield and p is the number of bedrooms required for the current plot (laughs) (laughs) very good uh exeter dormouse Mm. uncharacteristically naughty he says you are welcome to polish off toby's drooping pancake roll so long as i can try Uh. anisha's spicy sauce and then put (laughs) i'm so sorry Can I just say, I'm really surprised you didn't make a much bigger deal out of uh, Toby not being able to uh, 
to seal the deal, so to speak? Well, I thought about that, and then I thought it's kind of I don't. It sort of wasn't. I do feel really. This sounds is going to sound really silly. I do feel really sorry for blokes in that in that situation because there's so much like their entire personality is built up around it their entire personality well it is in toby's case yeah and then you know and then if it doesn't happen for whatever reason and it cannot happen for a millions of reasons it's like their whole identity's knackered and also no it happens for one it it happens for one reason the blood has not entered the penis to engorge it and to stiffen it there's one reason it doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) and one reason only (laughs) Well, anyway, I didn't. So there we go. Um, Gareth Edwards. So are you saying that you feel sorry for men because women don't have a similar issue? No! Jesus. Um, What am I saying? I'm saying that I think women have a go at men for thinking entirely with their penises and for not... But you know, and we use we use it as a. You're as a... so good. You are so good because you pulled that back. I went right to the knuckle, and then <laughs> you. Ah, can we stop talking about knuckles as well? I, it's, it's kind of, um, yeah. We d- women have a lovely time. It's a very easy stick to beat a man with. Ha ha ha. Um, because it's kind of just very evident and very physical and very da 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 And we moan about men for defining themselves entirely through their penises and we talk about willy-waving, or at least I do, willy-waving and, and the then, size And then when a man that. is not thinking entirely through his penis, then you, know, yeah, you then think he's not him. a man. Yeah, and it doesn't seem very fair, that's all. Mm. So that's why I didn't. Anyway. You're a complex that? person, you. <laughs> the amount of toilet humour that comes out of your pen, I so know. to speak, I and then know. that was no. like a gift, and I didn't a take a gift it. of gold. Yep. But then, for ethical reasons, you decided to pass up bespurching the man and uh, barely even mention it in your monologue. <laughs> I'll, you know, one day I'll, I'll actually understand you one day, Lucy. But it's not today. <laughs> <laughs> You're proper complex. Anyway, move on with the tweets, please. <laughs> Gareth Edwards. Bill to reappear by the Resurgam Stone in 18 months with a new meow. <laughs> <laughs> Smeaton's Koi Poo Burger. I have to sing this one. Dumpty, 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 dump. Kerry <laughs> <laughs> uh, Warbis. Begging always works and is so very attractive in my experience. Yes. And Chris Borrell. This was a stand-up applaud, this was. Oh. The village shop is now selling Tobalone bars. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Tobalone. Like that. Um, Talking can we about... Br- I need a wee. Really? All right. Let, let's, just, let's crack on through this then. Okay. Well, you did leave me a couple of podcasts ago just to finish up. So there, there is a precedent has been set. You know, I you know. can just wander off and... Go okay. go for your nail appointment and stuff. We mentioned this woman before, Claire Asprey. Yeah, she sent me through um, mm-hmm. a map. Oh, right? No, can I go for a wee while you're talking about maps? Oh, but you'll like the last one. Right then. Right. Can we just skip straight to the last one then? Okay. Right. I'm going to switch them around then. Right. Only two maps this week. You'll be happy to hear, folks. Uh, 
yeah, it's that, you know, the most celebrated bit of Dum Dum. It's the map of the week section. So, um, so celebrating Adam, who always sends in a map or five each week. Um, there's a pie map of Britain, a pie and cheese map of Britain. And uh, so thank you for that. It was uh, very good. I, I d- loved it. However, can't give you a map of the, the accolade of map of the week because that's actually going to Claire Asprey. Now, we did talk about this before. Right, there's a whole thread, Lucy, a whole thread, which includes analysis of the UK's hard water forward slash remain votes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Now, basically, if you, are, if you live in an area which has hard water, you're hard right. And no if it, it absolutely tallies. And it tallies with the vote in France as well. <gasps> yes. If accurate, this is the best, most spurious correlation ever seen. <laughs> so it's stunning beyond belief. If you voted for Marine Le Pen, right, chances are you live in a bit of France, which has hard water. Ditto the lead vote in the UK. Shocking. That is map of the week. But that is so uh, deep and poignant as to, I think we all need to sit down and really analyse what, what this means, folks. Scary stuff. Mm. So thank you for that, Claire Asprey, who's been in my life not once but twice this week. Thank you for that, Claire. You're lovely. You're awesome. Dumdydum.com, folks, go there. It's got a whole manner of dumdy dogs, dumdy mogs all over on the, on the homepage there. And um, so if you've got a dog who's ever listened to the archers been forced to listen to the archers been in your person in and around you while um barwick green has blared out from your radio for um enabled radio uh why don't you send a picture of said same dog whack it onto the twitters uh and then old cosmo will get it on our website also if you've got a mog you can do that also go to dumdydum.com and uh, you'll see all the numdy dogs and dumdy mugs. Um, the forum, folks, I beg and beseech ye. <laughs> Get ye's fingers typing on keyboards, posting messages onto our forum. It needs love. It needs, it needs you. It needs your input. It needs your energy. Prove that we are a community. Let's rally to the cause. And let's get that forum kick arse in again. Kick arse in. Don't know what I'm saying there. Anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, also, on dumdydum.com, we've got a shop. You can go there and get yourself some dumdydum merch. We haven't mentioned that for quite some time. So that's dumdydum.com. Hmm. Right. Uh, we've lost Lucy. She's, I'm not. I'm she's here. obviously doing uh, early Christmas wrapping. No, I was actually wrapping my friend for his birthday present. Yeah. But I'm here. Now, folks. Um. You can also show that you're part of the Dum Dum community by helping keeping our little Dum Dum show on the road. And there are two ways this can be done. Uh, first off, you can go on to dumdydum.com and go and hit the donate button. And you can give us 5, 10, 15. I tell you what, why don't you donate money to us in euros this week? Show your solidarity uh, <laughs> for all things European. Because the last time we'll accept yen, honestly, we're not. <laughs> that that is very true. That is very <laughs> true. Um, so you can go and donate by going onto dumdum.com, or you can go to patreon.com and you can pledge. I think it's a princely sum of two dollars. 
So every time you do a show, uh, we they extract that from your card, and that just helps keep the, keeps the lights on and the servers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, remember, folks, uh, to get in contact with us, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe, which is a little red tabby thing on our website, or you can call us on zero two zero three zero three one three one zero five from a phone, an ordinary phone, whether it's rotary or push dial or even a trim phone. You can, you can pick us up and call us from that, or even your mobile. Awesome. And then you'll get on to dumdydum.com. Um, on social media, specifically Twitter, I am at Royfield. You can find uh, us, the kind of the, the royal us, which is kind of a we, uh, which is uh, Lucy and I, at dumdydum. Um, Harry is at Shambridges. Uh, on Facebook, um, you can find us by typing in dumdydum.com. Now, we've got a treat for you, folks. Two treats. First treat is Paul Room. And I buggered this one up right royally. Quite <laughs> simply, uh, Paul Room, weeks ago, um, did a montage of Right You Are's and went through a week in Ambridge and uh, copied the Right You Are's and I forgot to put it up. Now, I'm putting it up now because he did a whole load of work. It's very funny. And even though it's not this week in Ambridge with the Right You Are's, um, it still deserves an airing. So here is Paul Room. And he's right, you are's. Well, it was a great week for right, you are's. The phrase that seems to be beloved of Archer's characters that is not often heard in real life. We had a triple serving, and it's hard to choose my favourite. In Harry Hill's style, I've put together a little section called Right, you are of the week. First up, we have David, who sounds rather sorrowful. Quite rightly, given the Archer family's strife due to Brookfield's IBR crisis. Right, you are. Next, let's hear from Justin, trying to ingratiate himself with Peggy as he attempts to get in her good books while fetching the biscuits. Right, you are. Lastly, Kenton, who gets the prize for Right, You Are of the Week, chipper as usual with this beautiful rendition. Right, you are. Well done, Kenton. Right you are of the week. And now, Lucy, how are we ending things? Uh, you can listen to me and... Uh, well, you can make... You can listen to Chris Neal making me laugh so much that tea comes out of my nose. That's what you can listen to now, if you like. Mm. So is it really funny? Well, I thought it was. But I'd just done a, a, a um, Pilates class and my stomach muscles were really hurting. Pilates? And he made, he made me laugh. and doing that? No, very recently. That's part of one of the things that I was talking about. Oh. How's your cause? Are getting strengthened? Not after just one thing, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the season's an absolute pain in the ass, but she's fun. I think she's, oh, really, you know, she's yeah. good for a laugh season. And her tabards. Yes. <laughs> There's a huge strain of Victoria Wood running straight through Susan. Yeah, no, there is. No, there is. So she's good. I mean, you wouldn't want to be. She's not fun in the way Lillian's fun. No. But she, and you wouldn't want to be stuck with her. No. 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 But she reminds me of my mother's friend, Denise. I've never met Denise. But Denise Denise makes me, uh, um, her and my mum go out on these day trips, which involves going around Dorset on a bus. <laughs> but Denise doesn't like spending any money. So when they go somewhere, <laughs> mum says, Oh, should we go for a cup of tea? And she said, No, I don't want to spend that. And they get, get on a bus, we get home again. Really? That's what I imagine Susan would be like. Yeah. <laughs> 
They just they don't get off for a cup. I thought the well, whole point of old ladies going out on outings is the cream tea. Well, yeah, but she won't spend any money, and she's obsessed with charity shops. All she ever wants to do, if they go anywhere, all she wants to do is go around charity shops. <laughs> all she, and then she'll go things like, um, <laughs> she'll go things like, uh, oh, it's uh, it's my dad's it's my dad's ninetieth coming up, and my mum will go when? And she go, oh, seven years in June. I need <laughs> I need to get him a present, so she start looking in charity shops. <laughs> And then, like my parents were going to move house about a year ago, and it all didn't work out. But my, she, she has, she's one of those people that I kind of admire, but hate Denise, and that she organises presents, you know, years in advance. Yes. So she, she'll do her Christmas shopping in the January sale. She is one of those people, <laughs> and um, but not in the January sale, just in charity shops in January. <laughs> and so she bought my parents uh, uh, a housewarming present, which she gave to my mum. And then they didn't move house. So my mum said, oh, do you want it back? And she said, no, you have it. You have it. It was for your new house, but you can enjoy it here. Anyway, it was a secondhand Victoria Hislop novel. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I... I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I mean, my parents are downsizing. Use it as a doorstop for your new house. <laughs> yeah, here's something in case you've got a table with three legs out of seat with the final four. <laughs> I mean, it's hard, isn't it? I, 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 I don't understand. And also, like, she knew that my mum had been spending the previous year getting rid of hundreds of books because they were trying to downsize. <laughs> so she probably thought, oh, you've got rid of too many. Here's one to start building them up again. <laughs> Anyway, so she makes me think of Susan. I think sometimes charity shop people find the gift, find the bargain, and then try and shoehorn a reason in for giving it to you. I think you're absolutely right. And she, and she does find the most curious reason. So like, apparently, my mum was telling me this a few weeks ago. She's, they've got one child, one son, who's about 40. And he has recently got divorced and he's shacked up with this new girlfriend. And she's German. And she'd never heard. Some, somehow it came out that she'd never heard of Jim Davidson. <laughs> oh, my God. That can only be a good thing, surely. Oh, no. She's exactly. German. So, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't even as close as that. It was another friend of theirs, Marilyn, <laughs> whose son had shacked up with this German girl. And the German girl had never heard of Jim Davidson. Anyway, so this had come out. They travelled around Dorset on a bus. <laughs> and it comes out in conversation that Marilyn's new sort of daughter-in-law is German, hasn't heard of Jim Davidson. So something triggers in Denise's mind. (laughs) She then spends the next few months thinking, I need to find a book (laughs) about Jim Davidson. This is worrying me. This is just nigging away at me, this is. (laughs) Yeah, so she finally, on eBay, buys for 1p, (laughs) £2.80 postage, a book about Jim Davidson, which she gives to Marilyn... And says, oh, if your son's girlfriend mentions Jim Davidson again, you'll have the facts to your hand. You know, <laughs> hand. <laughs> I mean, what a weird bloody piece of logic that is. I have relatives who give me um, not odd gifts, but odd combinations of gifts. Mm. So one Christmas I got... Uh, a pair of knickers and an Enya CD. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the next Christmas, I got a what was it? Oh, a butter churner and a Catelyn Moran novel. So there's oh, kind of a butter churner. A butter churner, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> in a way, you'd want next every... year for them. You think why these kind of curious <laughs> combination? Enya CD and a pair of knickers. Next year, it's a pair of Enya's knickers. They brought it all together. <laughs> 
kind of go, this is what we're leading up to. But uh, we are somewhat, uh, we, we kind of find ourselves uh, becoming un- taking an unhealthy interest in what the combination could be this year. And we've realised <laughs> that what they're doing basically is they're standing in TK Maxx at the bit where you pay. Yeah. And they're doing what we call two off the top and one off the bottom. So you just shut your eyes, reach out your hands and whatever they land on. Yeah. That's the combination that you get. Yeah. I've got you a handheld fan <laughs> operated by two AAA batteries <laughs> and a pair of brogues. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So there's like a never. <laughs> but I open these things and just sit there staring at them in perplexity, thinking, yeah. are they supposed. Is there a supposed to be a connection? No, there yeah. isn't. Is there? There really isn't. I've got you a bag of Haribo and a measuring jug. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> in a way i quite admire the sort of the brazen yeah, idea. Yeah, i haven't yeah, given literally yeah, no, i haven't given this a minute's thought <laughs> it, yeah. wasn't, it was 30 seconds and it was i just reached out my hands took two things off a shelf that i'm yeah. fairly sure i got you a boob tube and a video of the world at war <laughs> <laughs> happy christmas <laughs> oh god my stomach hurts now <laughs> well that teaches you to go out keeping fit doesn't oh it? i know I think I was definitely doing, I was with a a woman who had done it for two years and I'm like a real beginner. And she was saying to the woman who'd done it for two years, right, if you can just lift the left leg and then the right leg and then the left, and then we do this move and then we cross over, then we engage the pelvis and flip back. Now, Lucy, can you move your leg? (laughs) So I was like, um, no, not really, no, 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 I can't. I thought on this session we'd just deal with the fact that I've come with my legs. Celebrate that. One I got my socks time. off. Surely there is some sort of, you know, kudos for that. Yeah. Oh. That's <laughs> oh, I've got to go because I genuinely have to go and take a paracetamol now. Go and take a paracetamol. Take two. Treat yourself. It's the weekend. Woo-hoo. Oh, thank you so much. Wow. That was much more. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Fun that it deserved to be, probably, considering we were talking about it. When when does this go out then? Uh, It will go out on Monday. (gasps) No, yes, Monday. Um, right, can I go and have a wee now? Smashing. All right, toodaloo. Bye. Bye-bye.